0: My name is Rick Firestone. My name is Ben Bugale. And you're listening to Pixel Project Radio, a video game and video game club slash discussions podcast where we talk about all of our favorite games. We play through a game and then we analyze it. We talk about its story beats. We talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. And sometimes we have technical difficulties and we have to do a very rare retake. <sighs> No, it's a wacky day, baby. Uh, but today we're talking about a topic. And uh, before we started, how are you doing, Ben? How- ben, I almost said Ben and Man at the same time, and it came out very southern. Ban. Um,
1: I-, I knew these people who once called me Bean, and that was always fun having my name turned into two syllables. Um, I'm I'm okay overall. How are you, Richard?
0: I'm I- honestly, I- I'm doing pretty well today. I spent some time outside. And, you know, my job is at the computer, and it's remote, so I don't always go outside. And, yeah, those feel-good chemicals are just weaseling their way into my brain. Turns out sunlight is good for you. Who knew?
1: Sunlight, plants, moving water, etc.
0: We're going to spend a little more time outside today, but we're going to do it at a different time. If you'll indulge me, I've got an intro for this one.
1: I am willing to indulge you.
0: Thanks, buddy. I can always count on you. So we're going to go the Stuff You Should Know route and hop back into the Wayback Machine because we're going back to the groovy 80s, baby. Specifically, June of 1982. And we made it. Look at that. I've got some nice hammer pants on. I was scared. Let's uh, Let's go have a big, fat McDonald's meal. We didn't just come back here to get some good old Mickey D's. We came back here to talk to a man named Howard Scott Warshaw. This guy's going to play a pretty pivotal role in a story that we're about to experience because he was handpicked by none other than a little guy named Steven Spielberg to develop a video game for him. You might know Steven Spielberg from such hits as Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls. It's It's his masterpiece, the magnum opus. I think it's fair to say that's what he's known for. Yes, yeah. But what happened is Spielberg handpicked this guy, this Howard Scott Warshaw, to develop a game for him for the 1982 holiday season. And if you'll remember, we traveled back to June, so that's only five months to get to November, because that's roughly when they wanted it to be out. Five months is not a lot of time to develop a game, but Howard Scott Warshaw, he said, Dadgummit, I'm always up for a challenge. I'm Howard Scott Warshaw. And history was made, because he started development on a game that's become quite infamous. Because what happened was the Atari 2600 came out just a few years earlier, in 1977. And video games were becoming a little more popular. They weren't taking off like uh, they have today, because they were still relatively expensive, quite expensive. Even when the Atari came out, it was $200. And for that time, that was a ton of money. But they were becoming more popular, and Spielberg wanted to cash in on that sweet, sweet money. He wanted to get some of that moolah.
1: Yes, he did, yeah.
0: So the original plan that they came up with was to do a sort of Pac-Man clone. And Spielberg said... I'm not having any of that. That's derivative. Make a new game. I'm Steven Spielberg. And of course, Howard Scott Warshaw said, I'll do it. So only six months, five months, six months to develop this game. And retailers all over were buying tons and tons of copies of this in advance because they thought it was going to sell like hotcakes. I just dropped a quarter on the floor. Excuse me. Uh, (laughs) Nice. It was the entire profits of what this game actually ended up making, as we'll come to find. (laughs) Uh, Because what ended up happening was five months was just simply not enough time to develop this game, especially whenever Spielberg wanted something new. So the game released super unpolished, unfinished, and generally was a mess. And today, a lot of folks point to it as the single factor in the decline of video games in the early 80s before Nintendo came on the market which was very real video games had a very negative reputation and this played a very big role in it and this game that I've cheekily avoided saying of course is 1982's E.T. for the Atari one of the most notoriously infamous games of all time and one of the earliest examples of part of our topic today Licensed video games. I was aware of this game's
1: existence, and I remember hearing somewhere that it was bad, but I don't really, I didn't really know the backstory as well, so this is all very intriguing to me. The fact that it failed so hard, and through its failure, you know, could have paved the way for
0: other things. I don't know. It's wild. It's very interesting. I mean, it wasn't because Warshaw wasn't a good developer, and it wasn't because they had a bad idea. It was because they took a huge risk on this market with just no time at all to do what they wanted to do. Um, because, of course, not releasing during the holidays just wasn't an option. Because we're all about that money, baby. Especially at that point in Reagan's America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. You, you know, Reagan? He's, he's a popular topic on this podcast. That's not even... <laughs> uh... have, have you play- You haven't played E.T., the game, right? I have not a view. This was one of the few games that uh, my aunt had as a kid on the Atari. She had this one. Uh, Michael Myers Halloween is another way to put that Halloween. And uh, I don't remember what the game was called, but the cover had a tomato that also had a bull's head, like a, like a bull. And I remember that. I remember being scared of that one. <laughs> like I don't even know what that means. Uh, it's exactly. Whatever you're picturing is it, I promise you. Um, nice. But no, we're talking about... the Today's topic is the intersection of all things cinema and video games, and licensed games play a fairly large part in that, and they're also easy to talk about because almost everybody has played a licensed game. The four uh, big
1: points that we'll be touching on today, and while we'll be going through these in order, we'll be jumping back and forth because they all exist... Um, because of each other. We're going to be talking about licensed games, movies that were made into games, games that were made into movies, and Hollywood stars that show up in games. And and how this is, a, a I don't want to say a more recent phenomenon because it's existed, but it's definitely being leaned into more in the 20-teens.
0: So before we talk about what some of our childhoods looked like in terms of licensed games, how would you define a licensed game, Ben? Let's do that up front on our very first take because we're certainly not retaking this and learning from our previous mistakes. <laughs> Rick, I, I feel like something in a parallel universe tells me that it should not be me who defines this, but it should be you. I don't I, I don't know why. I defer to you and your mellifluous tone. Somebody said in the Discord that you have a very ASMR voice, by the way. that's That's very... That's very nice
1: and it also makes me a little bit concerned
0: can you get real close to the mic and say pitter patter pitter patter real quick
1: pitter patter
0: pitter patter can you whisper it instead of sounding like a republican senator <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i can't do that i'm sorry yeah, it's okay. uh, um so i guess in, in more or less I don't know exactly how to say this, but licensed video games are sort of games that exist based on something. And you could say that uh, since the beginning of games, this has been a thing um, that we have um, an IP, an intellectual property, um, something that already exists in the world that we make games based on. So, you know, we've talked about games already that are based on these sorts of things. Uh, we did an episode on GoldenEye. You could consider that, well, maybe not necessarily a licensed game.
0: Could you? Yeah, I I would 100% call that a licensed game and probably one of the examples of a great one.
1: This is where I get fuzzy, but
0: yes, it was
1: a movie first, though. That's a whole, that's a whole, there's a whole galaxy and we're not going to be able to touch on everything. So just saying, but yeah, licensed video games. Basically, um, books, musicians, uh, movies, other sorts TV, of things, TV shows. Yeah. I mean, these are games based on all of these things. So it's going to be again, we're going to be jumping around a lot
0: in this episode. And if you're sitting in your chair listening to this and you're scratching your head and you're saying, I, j- I just can't wrap my head around it. Don't worry. Don't panic. We're here for you. You sit back, and we're going to tell you about some of our favorite licensed games from our childhood. Lead the way, Rick. What were some of yours? I'll lead the charge. Um, some of the ones that I remember most fondly, um, the biggest one that sticks out is Harry Potter. I think it was the Sorcerer's Stone, the Philosopher's Stone for all of our British friends. That was that was a big one, um, and I'm thinking about it a lot lately because of... <laughs> Because of how prevalent PS1 graphics Hagrid has been on TikTok? He's everything. (laughs) Ari, happy birthday. Ari, happy birthday. Pop around for a cup of tea and a chat. I have something important to tell you. Your friend... Hagrid. Hello, Harry. It's me, Hagrid. Good to see you. Oh, is it, do you know, or do you (laughs) not know Hagrid? Are you, are you asking, is it my birthday? But that was, that was a big one. That was a big one. Um, Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. That was another big one. Animorphs. I loved that one. Um, that would be interesting to revisit at at, at a certain point in my life. Um, when I start to have midlife (laughs) crisis, um, Rugrats, the PS1 Rugrats. Uh, I did play Rugrats in Paris on the N64, but I'm talking about the PS1 version. That's probably the one that I played the most. And uh, one that I think we both played, uh, Quidditch World Cup, Harry Potter. It's
1: true. It's true. It was a great, great game, might I add. Some that I enjoyed. I guess we kind of talked about Goldeneye, so that's a thing. Uh, Rugrats in Paris on the N64. Played a lot of Mortal Kombat with my uh, friend Anthony growing up
0: because he had the PlayStation. So there was a. Now that's interesting because I I'm not I wouldn't call that a licensed game, but it is a game that got turned into a movie, which I'm very that's, excited to talk about. I know, I know, that's what I'm saying. That movie is a dumpster fire, and I love it. I saw a clip of it once, and I was like, wow, and then I
1: went, oh wow. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, I did play on the PlayStation 2. Um, plenty of the 007 games between Goldeneye, Agent Under Fire, those sorts of things, Kingdom Hearts. And then we had a Sega growing up, and as the only actual gamer in the family, I did a lot of, uh, a
0: lot of noodling with some of the Disney games. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, so you might have noticed that we listed a ton of games, and you might still be saying, well, I'm not sure. Like, you know, what's what's a licensed game? So let's, let's talk a little bit about the reputation of licensed games before we move into these other categories. I, I think licensed games often have a reputation of being subpar. Would you agree? I think so. I think that they're generally
1: kind of seen as... So, so... I think that a lot of people will read a Harry Potter book and go and see a movie, and then go, "Eh, it, it's the book's better." Um, I would say the same thing is applicable here because they're, they're kind of treated like second rate citizens, right? It's like why, you know, you have this this great movie. However, there are some
0: games that I think have overtaken the actual um, movies' popularity. But I would agree with you. Oh, for sure. Some example two examples that you named that are. Um, quintessential examples of licensed video games at their prime are GoldenEye for the N sixty four, which uh we covered by the way. So if you want to go listen to that, you can. Uh, And it was a great episode, might I add. Speaking of ASMR, you should
1: you should lean in and kind of excitedly whisper something again. I like that.
0: (laughs) Oh, what's that? Uh, what is that radio announcer on Parks and Rec? Uh, and now some jazz for your thoughts. I am whatever my name is. I know. yep, Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I. What a great show. Um. Where did I leave off? 007 and Kingdom Hearts. What was the other
1: one? Oh yes, Kingdom Hearts.
0: Yeah. Two examples of licensed products, licensed IPs, and games that were smash successes. Um. Whether you like Kingdom Hearts or not, I think it's hard to dismiss the fact that. It man, it just hit at such an auspicious time and blew up, and it's one of the. I think it's one of the greatest licensed games of all time. It really, um, it really forced
1: its way into the the zeitgeist in a way that is kind of unprecedented and extremely comical, and that's not me making fun of it. It's me just
0: recognizing that it is Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> but some other licensed games are put out there because, much like Spielberg in the eighties. Uh, and all those business tech execs, Pat Bateman types, um, they really like money. Sorry, I, I almost got derailed again. We've we've got some tangents in this one, man. I'm liking the energy. You know what? Let let them eat tangents. I I had a whole said. bit prepared where I had the American Psycho um, monologue pulled up where he's like, they really came into their own with their album hip to be square or with their, you know, tune hip, hip to be square. I I had that pulled up and I was ready to do a bit and then I forgot to open it. So it's, it's been percolating. And now that kind of, anyway, uh, just pretend that I said that reference and, uh, laugh about it and then tell your friends how funny and handsome we are. I'm, I'm laughing first of all. And I
1: also feel like I need to confess to you and to anyone who's listening That so I I, I've done theater in the past and and operettas and so forth and you know usually you have to sing something and then present some sort of monologue. Rick, I don't know if I told you, I have full intentions of doing Sheev Palpatine's "The Tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise" as my monologue the next time I audition
0: for something. That's incredible, man! I didn't know that you were planning to audition for things anymore. I I need to at some point, not yet, but I will do it. Yeah, I would like to as well. But there there are licensed games that come out that are not Kingdom Hearts and not 007. Um and not Aladdin. That's another great one from uh the Sega and Nintendo systems that is well beloved and notoriously difficult. Sometimes these come out because they're just a money grab. And sticking to some examples that we gave, um I think as much as we love this game, for example, the Quidditch World Cup can very much be seen as a game that was made to make money off of Harry Potter because it wasn't all that amazing of a game, you know? Well, here's the Quidditch World Cup. I
1: The thing that made it a success to me is that that makes it in some ways better than the than than the Harry Potter games and i'm not saying that that's law or necessarily the case cuz there's a lot of good in those games um quidditch is a game and a lot of us you know as as small ones or as preteens wherever you were you know you you'd read that and think oh wouldn't it be cool to just play quidditch you know what i mean cuz it you know by all of the descriptors you sit there and go Shit, this is kind of awesome. I, You know, and then they, they put out this game. Yes, a money grab, but also a way to really expand upon
0: a niche part of that universe that people did desire. I don't know. There, There are multiple angles of it, for sure. It's not, I'm not condemning every licensed game as being a money grab. But it's something that's difficult to ignore, especially when these are being headed by corporations and companies. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. A game that would be, or some games that would be easier to talk about rather than Quidditch, would be like the Harry Potter games on PS One, or uh, the Rugrats games. We talked about Rugrats and Rugrats in Paris, um, very well beloved, but as games, maybe, not, maybe not so great. I, I can tell you the PS1 Rugrats game uh, was pretty rough around the edges, but it wasn't marketed to Gamers TM, capital G Gamers. You know, it was marketed to kids. It was marketed to people
1: who liked, it, it's basically a way to, I don't want to say, and forgive the terminology, to sucker someone into buying a game system. Like, oh, there's a Rugrats video game. I love Rugrats. I don't know anything about video games. Why don't we dive into this, this universe a little bit more? Um, You know, I, I, have got, I've got a friend who I believe, uh, you know, it it wasn't a, um, a licensed game per se, but um, he waited for a specific game to come out on a console. So he bought the console and then waited for the game. And it was like, Nope, not doing this. So, I mean, like there's something to be said for waiting for that title. Um, And some of these licensed games did just that. They sold systems. Not the case, obviously, with Um, (laughs) E.T. But, but, you know, there were plenty of other ones that really kind of changed the world, like some of the ones we've already mentioned.
0: And if we're talking about games that sold systems based off of intellectual properties, we'd be remiss not to talk about Super Smash Brothers. Perhaps one of the greatest quote-unquote licensed games of all time it's kind of transcended that label of a licensed game because it's its own thing now but by definition it is a game using ips from other areas companies and games well it's it's mostly no it's only games i think that's sakurai's one rule is that it has to be games that's why we don't have goku and smash um or shrek that's a damn shame. It's it's sort
1: of like Game Inception, right? Because it's like, ah, yes, characters from games playing a game together. Chi Chi fo
0: But it's something that sells systems. You know, there are there are kids who have never played Kid Icarus or have, well, I mean, they maybe played Kirby at this point because of all of the recent releases, but never played Kid Icarus, never played, certainly never played Game & Watch games, never played with an actual Rob, uh and they're they're playing these characters on smash sometimes even buying the game you know because they see jokers in it and then they're like wait what's joker from oh persona what's that and it's that kind of thing
1: 100 percent. i never really thought of that about smash brothers in this um sort of
0: adventure but yeah no it fits and that brings up the idea of crossovers too you know like fortnite who who isn't in fortnite these days I don't think they've put John Goodman in Fortnite yet. And that's a real shame. Oh, well, wait. Which John Goodman character do you think would do the best in Fortnite? I, for my money, it's gotta be Walter from The Big Lebowski. Money all over town. Good. Oh, Fucking yeah. It's all bitch. goddamn fake, man. It's like Lennon said. You look for the person who will benefit and... uh uh, you know, uh, I am the walrus. you know, you'll, uh, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? I am the walrus. That's uh, fucking bitch. Oh, uh, yeah. I am the walrus. That's ex- Shut the fuck up, Donnie. V.I. Lenin. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. What the fuck is he talking about?
1: Um, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're gonna find it. We're gonna find it, everybody. Don't worry. Like, are you wanting Dan Connor in Fortnite? I want Frank King from Trumbo. That's what I want. Yeah, all right. Swinging the bat. Yeah. Getting real angry. Being being more like John Badman. Oh, that's his After Dark persona. I was once in Disney World, and I approached an employee, and I'm dead serious about this. And I went up to them, and I said, I understand that the license between Aerosmith and the rock and Roller Coaster is expiring. And they said, yeah, that, that, that is seemingly set to happen. And I looked at them and I said, I've heard a rumor that it's going to be a ride about every movie that John Goodman has ever been in. That's going to be the new ride. And it's going to be called <laughs> a few good men. And the employee stared at me and said, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's good for them for playing along.
0: And I looked at them and I smiled and nodded. Very good, and just left. <laughs> That's incredible. I, I would ride that, oh my God, would I ride that. A few good men, and it's just all John Who Goodman. Wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Come on. It's perfect. This is quite the tangent now. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those episodes. I'm into it. We need we need these once in a while, you know? God, yeah, we do. We work hard on, you know, picking apart games. Um, do you, you mind have... if I...
1: I was going to say, do you mind if I throw out some, some smatterings, some
0: other little titles? I, I was going to go on one that you have listed next. So, yeah, please. Well, please st- stick a
1: tack in it so that we can go back and visit it. But other games, if you're sitting there saying, I still don't really understand what a licensed game is, um, Arkham City, the Batman game, that's, a, that's a thing. Lego Star Wars would count, as would Rogue Squadron, uh, basically anything, um, that Star Wars has done with EA, and I guess a lot of the the sports games too would by this measure, like you know, like Madden '97 or something, would that not be a
0: licensed game? I kind of, t- that, I mean, that, That's a that's a great question because what are they licensing? You know, what license exists? It's with the NFL, and they're humans, right? That They're basing. I mean, those are the as far as I'm aware, know, they're humans. I mean, I'm having a moment whenever somebody tells you the moon is flat and you look at them and say, you really believe there's a moon? Um, (laughs) Looking at you saying, you really believe that they're humans? Yeah, no, precisely. Um, Star Trek, uh, one of the oldest games
1: you'd found. uh, I I found one from 1979. It was a console game. You found one that seemed to be just its own
0: game from 1971. The 71 technically was a text adventure on... A computer so it wasn't quote unquote a video game it was more like a goosebumps choose your own adventure but you're typing you know
1: incredible
0: um and one uh licensed game that i find wild
1: and i don't need to converse about this because i want to know what you want to talk about but 007 agent under fire technically has no movie or novel it's just pierce brosnan is bond in this standalone
0: adventure thing. This is a great game though. And you see stuff like that happen all the time with licensed property. Like they'll have a video game that is set in its own universe. I mean, we're on the star Wars tangent, star Wars, the force unleashed that those exist in book form in the EU, but those were video games first. And now star Wars Jedi fallen order, that's its own storyline with its own characters and it's sort of its own centralized little universe um that's very popular with star wars we get that um but those those sorts of things happen all the time usually uh maybe arguably more successful than if it's just a retelling of a movie i would think so. I, I think that's fair I, I... <sighs> with exceptions i mean golden Goldeneye 007 is the perennial exception like that's always going to be the one that proves the rule yeah, no, because um, cause that's just it, right? Like, you've got
1: some games that are, Gold Knight gold, is that game, <laughs> the game that is above the movie. Um Well, and that kind of goes in line with the whole, like, you know, someone reads a Harry Potter book kind of thing, and then the movie comes out, and a lot of people are sitting there going, well, I don't know, they kind of missed some things. Uh Video games are kind of like a third string of that. You know what I mean. Um, so it is. It is extremely rare that you have a game that has um, catapulted itself into such popularity and into such a place in in the jewel uh, in in the crown of video games. Because um, a lot of them, like Rick, you said it earlier. A lot of them really are just cash grabs. But I digress.
0: Yeah. The next. Uh, the next article on our list is movies that got made into games and that's sort of a natural extension of licensed games. Um one of the first ones that I played and I think you played this too was Rugrats in Paris for the N64. I did. Uh if I remember correctly that cartridge was was it green? Mine was black. Black. Okay. Not it wasn't grey. It wasn't gray. Correct. But yeah, that's that's a big one. That was one of the first ones that I played. I think it's looked fondly upon by people of that time. You know, it, it's not going to stand up with other games like like the Legend of Zelda or Mario Kart, but it's no. so great. No, I would I would agree in its own way. Um, I had a few licensed games based on movies for Game Boy as a kid. Um, one of them was Star Wars: A New Hope. And this was not Game Boy Color. This was OG Game Boy, the kind that had uh, the green and black screen where you can adjust the contrast, and it took four chonkin AA batteries. Incredible! Just a big boy. I I'm familiar. I remember the big boy. He was a thick boy. I actually never owned the thick Game Boy. I my first Game Boy was Game Boy Pocket. Um, Mm. so the tinier version, but yeah, that was a licensed game. Um, I haven't played it since I was a child. I remember it being far too difficult for, uh, me at the age of like eight. (laughs) So I didn't get very far, but, um, it was a game that my, my aunt played a lot. Weirdly enough, she played that and she played super Mario land. And those were like the Mm. two on game boy that she played, um, but if I had to guess, I would say maybe not as good as the movie. Not really fair, right? I think you're probably right about that. Um, it's hardly fair because A New Hope is a fantastic movie.
1: It is. It is everything. To some people, it's not even A New Hope. It is just Star Wars. Full stop. Um, ice cream. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there was this man in my life. Uh name was Earl he was my dad and he would always say Ben would you like some ice cream still trying to figure that one out Um, I guess it's technically correct well he said Um, it was the cream that's been iced he's not (laughs) he's he was never wrong it's just like would you like some ice cream and I was like what do you like he's not even trying
0: Uh, anyway Um, (laughs) I, I love like I I'm fairly certain that I'm not going to have kids By choice, but I love those little weird dadisms where you just purposely say something a little obtuse. Like, um, fun fact: the word uh, "gruntled" is technically a real world, a real word. It it is. I love it. Yeah, I use it. But but I think Merriam-Webster like includes in their definition that it's often used humorously um and i was listening to their podcast and the one uh editor said that her dad used it when she was a kid as a joke like how are you doing you doing okay i'm perfectly gruntled Uh, i think michael scott used it in the office these employees are perfectly gruntled
1: no need for consternation everything is under control michael last friday one
0: of your employees
1: attacked another employee in your office it was a crime of passion jan not a disgruntled employee Everyone here is extremely gruntled. I think that's, yeah, no. And I, it feels very much like a Gilbert and Sullivan word, like, like, ah, yes, all of these individuals were rather gruntled with their earnings and their reward. You know what I mean? It just feels like that kind of, and
0: it does fit. I I just love dadisms like that. I, I really think that to me. Dadisms have just transcended. They're they're so lame and so uncool that they've circled back around to being so cool. I just love it. He
1: was full of them. Other movies that were made into games. I don't. We've we there there were a lot in the nineties and thousands. And you know there, it still happens, not to nearly to the same extent. I would say um, horror movies
0: have a. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: No. No. That's exactly it. There's th- that's another. That's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah, since the Atari, um, Halloween was on the Atari. That's a, a game that I, I've played. It's not great, um, but it exists Friday the 13th on, I think, NES. Um, even all the way up to today. Um, I think today we're seeing less IPs based on games, more so just horror games that are their own thing. But Aliens, Aliens Isolation, that's one. I mean, they made a Friday the 13th game that wasn't great, but it exists.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's a good point. Um, I would say that there are probably, and, and I say this joking, I say probably jokingly, that there are probably uh, more movies that were made into games than games that were made into movies. Just I, I would
0: say that's an astute guess. Um, even we've got a list here of games that were made into movies. And even looking at this, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of any more. It's a
1: very short list. And I don't even know if I have all of these directionally correct. Like if it was, you know, who came first, the chicken or the egg, by the way, the answer is always the egg. If you're trying to win an argument, who
0: came first, the Mario or the Chris Pratt? First, of course, is Mario, who will be played by Chris Pratt. He's so cool. I'm gonna keep that hard silence hard. in here just because I think it makes the joke that much funnier unless my uh, my microphone picked up my sigh
1: um, <laughs> uh, so I I think Tomb Raider was one of them that was a game first that became a movie um, and I think doom as well Mortal Kombat was doom made into a movie. I believe there is a Doom movie. Give
0: me one second. I could have sworn I saw it. I know Tomb Raider was uh, Laura Croft was played by Angelina Jolie, very famously. I did not see those movies, but I have heard that they were movies.
1: Doom is a 2005 science fiction film, loosely based on the video game series, and it has the same font and text and all that, you know. Oh, cool. So there you have it. But um, one Resident-, Resident Evil too. Sorry,
0: go ahead. No, I was just gonna say one that's next on the list that I would like to talk about is Mortal Kombat, Uh, made Ah, into a couple of different movies. But in the '90s, they came out with two of them: Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat uh, Armageddon. Was it Armageddon? I have no idea. Annihilation. That sounds right. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, But these were '90s movies that were so bad they're so cheesy um but as a kid i was watching these when i was 10 and i was like it's Liu kang it's sub-zero this is the coolest thing ever that i could do that i'm like this fat little white suburban kid watching train martial artists do flying kicks and i'm like i could do that i'm like Liu kang <laughs> so much is wrong with that but um no but that's what they want though right because that's they, what they want
1: for for them to take these characters that originally appeared in kind of a faux 2 3D thing, and then they turn them into these like fully fleshed people, and you're like, oh my god. And next thing you know, everyone's signing up for karate
0: um, or other martial arts, and everyone's buying the game. I asked to sign up for karate because of this. Um, You would think that my parents would have been more receptive to their overweight child wanting to do physical activity, but they said no. Come on. Truthfully, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. Um, so you know, there is that. But but yeah, this, this that those are those are two movies that uh, were in my life as as a child that I was super into. You you said Resident Evil. Have you seen those movies? I have not seen those movies, but I know I would like them.
1: Silent Hill is technically one of these, isn't it?
0: I think so. I think Silent Hill got made into a movie. I don't think it's good, but I think I think it is. I think it is getting that treatment.
1: It did scare me the first time I saw it, or at least it disturbed me a little bit. There were some themes that were kind of intense. Um, but
0: I think it was a game first. Oh, yeah, no, it was totally a game first. There are some others that are kind of infamous in like the Final Fantasy world. Um, Final Fantasy Advent Children is one of them. Just a notoriously bad movie. Um, some Some franchise, some game franchises even make quote-unquote movies like Kingdom Hearts that go along with their in-game universe. That doesn't really count to me because it's just sort of, um, you know, FMV sequences. But, I mean, it is animation, so it's hard to say it doesn't truly count. I'm I'm not trying to belittle any sort of artist here. No, I feel you. But I think you're right. There, there are significantly less games uh, being made into movies than movies being made into games but there there are some in recent memory that that have come up there are and i've heard
1: a lot of different reactions but maybe that's only to the trailers um for the sonic movies um word on the street is that sonic 2 is shockingly good and not that the uh first one was bad but
0: i've heard some pretty good things about it you know, I I saw some clips of Jim Carrey playing Robotnik and it's like it works. Like it I I it works seeing him play Robotnik. He's got that energy. I just I don't know, man. Like I can't picture a scenario of me going to the movies saying, "Give me the give me a ticket to Sonic, please. I'm 29." Um also, I just I can't get behind Idris Elba voicing Knuckles. Why are they trying to make Knuckles sexy? It's weird. I you know it, it, that's a that's a thing lately though right like
1: the number of people who are doing voice acting for these kinds of movies nowadays like Bradley Cooper is Rocket in Guardians of the Galaxy it, it is interesting but I, I think voice acting is its own like wave of the future um, and also I mean we've seen what has happened with a lot of actors doing all kinds of commercials so I
0: can believe I can believe that pairing in some way. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Idris Elba. I think he's fantastic. But it, it's just, I don't know. Like, hearing that voice come out of Knuckles is very bizarre to me. I, I cannot help but agree. Um, Can we talk about
1: the Mario in the room that no one is really looking forward to?
0: Let's please talk about the Mario in the room. How do you feel about this casting? I mean, Why? well, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Should we talk about the casting just in case people haven't heard this somehow? Yeah. I have you seen the donkey video of him reacting to the casting? I, I I did watch that.
1: It's been a while, but I did watch it once upon a time.
0: I love it so much. It's just him just laughing harder and harder as it goes on. It's hard not to laugh. He's got an infectious laugh. His is one of the best laughs. Um, Chris Pratt. Everyone is, is playing
1: Mario. If you didn't know that, And if you refuse to believe it, you're not the only one.
0: Uh, I can't remember the name of the actress playing Princess Peach because I didn't really, I wasn't familiar with her beforehand. Oh, I yes, Anya uh, something.
1: Anya Taylor Joy, yeah. Um, Charlie Day is playing Luigi. Uh, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Jack Jack Black Black is Bowser that's not a bad one i think i think he'll do really well keegan michael key as toad that's it's hilarious um are they
0: voice acting or are they like character this is what i want to know this is where my confusion comes in so they they've confirmed that chris pratt is not doing the charles martinet mario voice who by the way in case you were wondering and didn't know charles martinet is in the film i know (laughs) and i don't know what he's doing and Chris Pratt's I think the director or somebody like tweeted out that like, you know, Chris is not doing the Mario voice, but we're we're very excited to have you hear the creativity that he's brought or something like that. It's just gonna be Chris Pratt talking. like i I swear that's just gonna be what it is. It'll be somewhere between Star Lord and
1: um Andy from Parks and Rec,
0: aka, the same exact character, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and that's not me dissing guardians of the galaxy because i do enjoy it very much but it's a, yeah, it's a fun I film
0: yeah it's a, it's a
1: lot of fun but i I'd still the casting of chris pratt as mario is just still you know i can't say much until i see anything from it but if it goes it, if the trailer for it goes anything like the original sonic movie trailer there is going to be there is going to be so much backlash it is not even funny Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I'll, and, you know, you can insert any other games that have been made into movies in this category. There are not that many in the grand scheme of it. And if there
0: is, it probably didn't make it very far. Well, a big one that we forgot was Pokemon. Very notoriously. Pokemon got made into some movies when we were kids. Very good movies. At least as far as I'm concerned, they hold up... Um it's still every time i see the like still images of uh of pikachu crying over ash when he was turned to stone that scene was extremely traumatic for little people or or mewtwo just straight up saying to children one circum uh one circumstances of their birth doesn't determine how they need to live their life like, that's some profound shit coming
1: from pokemon it's incredible In the grand scheme of all of this, by the way, since we're talking licensing and order and all that stuff, I'm seeing here, if I'm not mistaken, the card game came out in 1996 for Pokemon. The show came out in 1997, and and the
0: video game came out in
1: 1998.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if it was a manga before that, before the card game. I I would guess not. Come on, I typed in mango, and that's not it.
1: Uh, No, uh, it looks like the first Pokemon Adventures book was 1997. So how about that? Something that came from a a card game first. Well,
0: I mean, Nintendo's roots, baby, you know? Well, I think they started with rice cookers or something, but I I digress. Um, No, I thought they were a card company first. I,
1: I think, no, I think you're right um they've done just about everything it's actually kind of hilarious and really impressive you should look up the entire history of nintendo as a company um but how about that how about pokemon from a card game perspective from a show and movie perspective which you know you were quoting those scenes and and, and recounting them and they're still burned into my memory um and then there's obviously the video games just all fantastic
0: yeah i think that's an example of licensing working very well in in interdisciplinary mediums.
1: And you even have games like Pokemon Stadium, which kind of, like, step outside, but they're still very much in line. They're kind of like a Quidditch World Cup, but with a little bit more um, through line. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Speaking of Pokemon, there have been uh, some Pokemon movies, like we've said. Some of the more recent ones have... Uh, have, have gotten the voices and likeness and talents of IRL people to play our little video game friends. And some of those may have been adapted into future games themselves. Uh, I'm talking about detective Pikachu, of course, where, uh, Pikachu was bizarrely played, um, uh, bizarrely chosen, uh, to be voiced by, I should say Ryan Reynolds. I like Ryan Reynolds. I don't
1: understand.
0: I don't understand it either, man. Like, it was such a, but I I, I wish I could have been in the room when these conversations were going on. I, hold on a second. Let me just, I just want to see something here. Like, if we're talking Uh, about grown adult men voicing Pikachu, like, that's something I could see Chris Pratt doing before Ryan Reynolds.
1: Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't have been angry. I'm I'm not saying I'm angry about Ryan Reynolds, but Chris Pratt. Pratt as Pikachu makes a little bit more sense if we're if we're gonna go that way, but Danny DeVito was clearly who was supposed to play Detective Pikachu. I'm just
0: saying. Yeah, that's a little unfair because I think Danny DeVito could convincingly play anybody and anything. Whoa, whoops. Oh, whoops! I dropped my monster condom that I used for my Magnum dong.
1: Touche. And he will, if given. A contract, he will.
0: <laughs> on a on a long enough timeline, we could have we could have a future where Danny DeVito, uh, shit, appears in Fortnite. Danny DeVito, John Goodman, and Steve Buscemi all together. That's a movie that I would watch. Unironically, um, would also love to see Danny DeVito doing the Fortnite dance.
1: I don't. I don't know if I want to see
0: that. <laughs> it sounds like hearsay to me. Heresy. Heretic. But, but that does sort of bring us in a roundabout way to Hollywood stars appearing in our video games, uh, because that was, it wasn't started by Ryan Reynolds in detective Pikachu, but it's, it's a very easy to, uh, it's something that most folks that are privy to video games have known about or seen. Um, but certainly not the first. Yeah.
1: So we've, we've had some actors portraying different characters in games, um, you know, we've said Goldeneye a number of times, but Pierce Brosnan, it was his likeness that was used for Goldeneye, The World is Not Enough, and for Nightfire. Um, he, he was, quote, in all of these games as Bond. The more recent phenomenon that I find to be cool and wild are things like a game that you and I will be discussing until dawn with people like Rami Malek in them.
0: Yeah, um in Until Dawn is cool because um that whole like their next series of games like uh, House of Ash and Man of Madon they had the budget to like get one big actor per game and in Until Dawn they got a couple um I mean Rami Malek was the biggest one Hayden Panettiere um she is also in the game um so that's another they also got um a character actor and I'm His name is escaping me from the Tim and Eric universe. He plays one of the prominent characters, Dr. Hill. I'm looking it up real fast here. And I, I can't, I cannot wait to talk to you about his performance because it, it it baffles me,
1: but all right. Yeah. I'll
0: look forward to it. uh, Peter Stormare. That's who it was. Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare. Yeah, I think he's Swedish, uh, but he's done some Tim and Eric things. Yeah, he, he looks like he's done some Tim and Eric things. And I'm not saying that <laughs> in a disparaging way. Um, I, I think consciously, that might be one of, I mean, unless we're counting things like Harry Potter, that might be one of the first games where, like, I saw an actor and I said, hey, that's that actor. You know, because I didn't have Goldeneye as a kid. Yeah. Um, And one could make the argument that, you know, you could see Pierce Brosnan as Bond and you would say, I I can't, is that him? You could make that argument. But it's, you cannot make that argument in Until Dawn when you see uh, Rami Malek. It's just like, oh, that's exactly who that is. That's him.
1: No, it's not, not even close, baby. Like, it looks exactly like him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it's because it is him. Another good example of this is um, uh, we're talking about movie games. Uh, that is to say, games that play like a movie um, is Detroit Become Human, a game that I am very on record saying that I do not like. But uh, Clancy Brown, very notably, is in it. You might know Clancy Brown from his voicing of Mr. Krabs. Mr. Squidward, I should take you! Very, very uh, recognizable voice actor. So it's very cool to hear him say, fuck you, Connor, in Mr. Krabs' voice throughout the whole game. Great. Uh, It's very great. Incredible.
1: What other games do we have? Oh, recently, uh, Giancarlo Esposito
0: in Far Cry 6. That's been hyped. First of all, love that man. Love that man. He is such a great actor. Um, He did an interview, I think, on Bullseye, that is just terrific. Um, I don't think the Far Cry 6 game is very good, but um, it was so cool seeing him in the trailer before we knew it wasn't a great game.
1: Yeah, because we all got more excited for it. And then Dunkey was like, it's the same game again, everybody.
0: Well, of course. Uh, Elliot Page has been in a few. He, well, oh, you have it here that he was in The Last of Us. Is that, is, is that, I, I knew, does, does he voice? Did he voice? their likeness was used okay but but and, it's confirmed. and that was a
1: problem i i am 90 90 sure at least and if i'm wrong somebody let me know on our social media which and no, i'm just kidding i'm not gonna do
0: this <laughs> yet um Elliot page appeared in another game with willem dafoe um actually by mm. david cage called called beyond two souls um i don't i mean it's a david cage game so i'm probably not going to like it um but yeah, he he was in that one. Nice. And Willem Dafoe is Willem Dafoe. I mean, come on, it's hard it's hard not to love that son of a bitch. Get real.
1: Oh, we did mention John Goodman earlier. The game Rage features John Goodman. I'm not sure how, but I read that.
0: I see that you have that here. I've not played that game, so I was hoping that you, that you would elaborate on that. I I honestly don't know much about John Goodman in
1: Rage, but I know that he was in it, and I think the idea, um of John Goodman being in any sort of video game is bloody hilarious. Um, No, he, he voices um, a character by the name of Dan Hagar. Yeah. I don't know really anything else. So I guess I just need to play rage and become John Goodman or at least interact with him.
0: Yeah. Um, A big one at the moment, of course, is Keanu Reeves in cyberpunk. Huge. I think a lot of people know about that. One, um, another one that is star studded is death stranding. Um, you've got Norman Reedus playing Samuel Porter Bridges. Conan O'Brien makes a cameo in that game. He's a secret little Easter egg that you can find. I think he orders like a cosplay suit and you <laughs> you deliver it to him. Um, but Guillermo del Toro was in Death Stranding as well. I do like him. Um, he plays a doctor called Heart Man, which is... Uh, that That game is such a such a beautiful disaster. I would love to I've play heard. it one day. <laughs> I've heard it's a disaster as well. A, a beautiful disaster, but it's uh it's Kojima. It's Kojima. What are you going to say? Yeah. Um
1: Cyberpunk and Far Cry are probably the two biggest boys right now, which you know, this is why it's still happening. And I think it's cool. Um I remember playing Black Ops uh I believe it was Black Ops Zombies. I think maybe it's 2 or 1. Um no, it's it's regular Black Ops, and then in Black Ops Four as well. Uh, it's actually kind of a strangely star-studded um, zombies scene. Uh, there are people who play some of the um, some of the, the main characters, but then there's one particular map called Call of the Dead, if I'm not mistaken, and it is you're, you're shooting a, a zombies movie, and George A. Romero ends up being becoming the bad guy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, George A. Romero, you know, who did the Night of the Living Dead series, um, zombie, zombie apocalyptic kind of writer. I just found that hilarious. Um, other people who were in that were, I believe, Danny Trejo. Um, who else was there? Uh, Sarah Michelle? Is it Geller or Jeller? I literally never get Geller. Right. Geller. See, I this is it. Um, I had a huge crush on her whenever I was a wee lad. So I know, I know her name. There we go. See, and I I didn't really watch anything with her until I watched The Crazy Ones starring her with um Robin Williams playing her father. It's very sweet. Um and very touching. But yeah, Danny Trejo killing zombies and like you getting to play as him. Um yeah, okay. Uh Michael Ricker, Michael Rooker and Robert England as well. So you get to play as all of these um really badass people from you know, pe- these people are portraying themselves. And I, I loved it and was kind of confused, but I don't know how to explain it. Kevin Spacey was in COD Advanced, uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, which I thought was interesting. The Call of Duty franchise. A lot of the first-person shooters really do this, don't they?
0: It, it seems as if, yeah. I I can't speak a lot to that, but it, it seems as if that's the case. And then
1: there's one more on this list that you um, seem very excited to to touch on.
0: Yeah, that's Shaq Fu, Uh, both the remake that came out a little while ago that is pretty bad, and also the original (laughs) for the Genesis that's also pretty bad just in a different way. Uh, That of course features Shaquille O'Neal in the first one. It's pretty much just as he appears, but in this newest version, uh, it's sort of a cartoonish version of him and you go through the whole game and there's just a lot of really tasteless uh race jokes and gay jokes and things oh like God. things of that nature uh, and it's also just a pretty average game to play so yeah that's kind of a stinker of a game unfortunately have you played it oh i own it yeah <laughs>
1: i see i i've heard of it and i'm like yeah this is fun this is funny and then like i didn't
0: it, it kind of feels like be... the kf
1: console you know what i mean it doesn't feel real <laughs>
0: It would be fine if there weren't so... There's just so many really tasteless jokes. And it's like, these didn't need to be here. Like, it would have been fine. Um, There are some parts about it that made me, like, giggle and smile. But, yeah, it's just a real mess of a game. Speaking, I'm glad that you brought up the KF console. Because there's one last (laughs) weird category that I inserted that I wanted to talk about. There are a lot Ah, of games... That serve as advertisements for food companies, specifically. Like, there's a weird amount of these. There's a lot of them. They still exist now, you know? Oh, yeah. And you mentioned the KF console. Uh, I Love You, Colonel Sanders was a free dating sim that came out not too long ago. Where you romance the colonel himself. Dream big. (laughs) Yeah. Dream dream big indeed. I... Whenever you
1: put in this as a category, I was like, oh my God, how could I have forgotten that this happened? I had played Chex Quest back in 96, and I never did the Captain Crunch stuff, nor did I did Sneaking, which I think that was the one that whenever I heard about Sneaking, I was like wheezing with laughter.
0: Yeah, for those that don't know, Sneak King was an Xbox 360 game, or it may have been just standard Xbox, or maybe both. I don't know. But um, it was from Burger King, and your goal is to sneak around as the Burger King, putting Burger King into people's pockets, I believe, for them to eat. It's just very bizarre. Like, if if it's still at GameStops, you can get it for a dollar. If it's not already been pennied out, what a weird, weird game. Burger King really goes places, don't they? Yeah, they try. Uh, do you remember that really uh, unfortunate tweet that like Burger King UK tweeted? Um, it was like, um, oh, I can't remember the specifics of it, but like there was some kind of a bill that was trying to be passed um, that said like pregnant women couldn't work or something like in the u it wasn't u.s politics but it like it was some kind of a bill that was impacting women's ability to work so burger king uk tweeted in one tweet we believe women belong in the kitchen and then separate tweet and that's why we're standing up to fight for women's rights for blah 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 but the fact that they segmented it like that (laughs) Like, talk about getting egg on your face. They had the whole carton, man. Like, how, who okayed that? It's very, get, it's very funny in a retrospective kind of way. I get it, but wow. Yeah, that's, uh, it's something that, like, I would have found very funny as a freshman in high school, I think. It's like, it's got that kind of a slant to it. But there are more. There are more games. Taco Bell came out with the Tasty Temple Challenge, which is basically a Doom clone. Um, Your stats include hot sauce and flavor and things like that, which is something else. Uh, You mentioned the Captain Crunch. There is a Crunchling Adventure game, which from what I've heard is pretty in-depth. Like you could actually do a lot with that game. I don't know. Um, I'm probably not going to play it. I didn't even know about it. There's a lot, man. I think there's a Pringles game, but I'm not certain on whether or not that's uh, like officially licensed. I think there might be an M&M's game. That sounds right to me. There's a lot. There's there's a strange amount of corporate advertisement games.
1: Yeah. Oh, there it is. M&M's Adventure Puzzle Games. Yeah, I just... I, that That to me is such a... I don't know. There comes a point like... It's like each time something comes out in some sort of IP incarnation, you know. There's there's the first one, right? There's like like let's let's do Harry Potter for example. Okay, you've got Harry Potter as a book. Okay, and everyone's like, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Have you heard? Holy um, shit! I know all this time. It's not just a video game. Um, it's not just um. Shh. Uh, what is it? green Heinz ketchup for Shrek um, which is kind of where I'm going with this um, is that we have you know the first like the book and then it turns into a movie and then sometimes it tries to go from there into a show or into a game and then if it goes like a step further and they start putting it on food it just feels it doesn't even feel like a cash grab it just feels like a notice me senpai kind of thing you know what I mean like it's just like
0: yeah, I, 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 I suppose. Do you feel that way too about the the famous Washington, uh, Pennsylvania monument, the uh, Star Wars Episode One Pepsi vending machine that still exists? I'm sorry, what? Do you not know about this,
1: Rick? I'm from Washington, Pennsylvania, and I I feel nauseous with excitement.
0: I I may be getting the city wrong, but it is Pennsylvania. Um, there is, you know, back when Star Wars Episode One came out, it was a huge deal, so they collaborated with Pepsi and they had like a bunch of characters profiles on Pepsi cans and they still have in this pennsylvanian town a star wars episode 1 pepsi machine it just hasn't gone away they recently celebrated it for some reason is it washington oh, was i right
1: hold, postgazette.com 21822 no get no i'm i'm reading please go away i don't get access now for 99 cents no, I. You don't understand how badly I need this. We're gonna open this in an incognito window, everybody. We're gonna to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> We're getting spicy. No, you rat. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not not reading this. Where are you for the May Fourth, Mount Mount? It's in Mount Washington.
0: Mount Washington. I mean, yeah, I was it's halfway in, there. It's that's near you, right? Mount Washington is well, um, we don't want to dox you on air,
1: but you know, no, no, no. It's um, Mount Washington's a Pittsburgh neighborhood um, kind of leaning into the South Hills. I,
0: I feel a pilgrimage coming on. Can we go? <gasps> oh, Ben, can we go and post it to the show page? That will be quite the trek.
1: But at some point, this is a need.
0: We could make that happen, man. We could get Beto's pizza. We could get it by the slice. We could have a nice meal, and then we could go and celebrate at the Star Wars Episode One Pepsi vending machine.
1: They're just pictures of people standing with it. I don't know if anyone's getting a drink <laughs> from it. Oh, you
0: can't! Surely, it's not functional.
1: It's just sitting on the sidewalk like some sort of
0: exhibit. See, this is what when when the, when we're saying we can't tear down these statues. They represent history. This is what we this is what we mean this this represents amen. history. Amen. <laughs> amen we should be fighting for these statues not those fucking racists from the civil war good lord that's <sighs> leave it up forever man th- this episode has an energy to it that i'm so happy is here it's really nice to have something like this sort of sandwiched between more serious episodes don't you think oh yeah that's
1: yeah it's what I am here for.
0: Speaking of being here, do you have anything else, any parting thoughts on the intersection of cinema and video games? I'm so glad that
1: both universes exist and that video games have worked so hard on bringing the worlds to the fingertips and to the eyes more, more intimately to the individual. Um, whether you're playing Star Wars Pod Racer, whether you're playing Golden Eye, whether you're playing Harry Potter in the chamber of secrets and you're flying around campus at night on a broomstick, like it's the imagination that matters the most. And that's something that games give us a little bit more of a little bit more Liberty with. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that crossover. How about you?
0: I couldn't have said it better myself, man. Um, they're fun when they're good. They're fun to talk about when they're bad. And, um, Sometimes they give us real gems, like bad gems, like the Mortal Kombat movie, and good gems, like the Pokemon movie. So I think it's neat. I'm all for it. If there are any
1: games or any movies or anything that we missed, we invite you to let us know. And if you're asking yourself, how do I, how do I let them know? Or how do I ask them, again, what a licensed video game is? Well, have we got some news for you? You can reach out to us in many ways.
0: Yeah, hold on to your butts because we're about to tell you all about them. Um, the quickest way, well, the easiest way, the way that we're the most active is on the Instantgram. Instagram, we are at Pixel Project Radio Podcast. You could find us there. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at Pixel Project Pod. We are active on Twitter as well. We are. We don't have a Snapchat
1: yet. Um, but could you imagine? Um, you can email us. You can always email us pixelprojectradio at gmail dot com, should you want to go that route.
0: At this point, I think whoever emails us first is getting a little special something something from us. I think I think I think I'm okay with that. At least on the air, at least. Yeah. Well, no, we'll we'll make it happen. Don't you worry. Um, I'm nervous. And then if you wanted to really interact with us and hang out with a group of uh, steadily growing, we're almost at 40 people in the Discord, which isn't, it's not huge, but it's not small. Um, We have one. We have a Discord. You can uh, find that link in all of the show notes and also our Instagram bio. It's set to never expire, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Come hang out. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Lastly... Um, If you feel so inclined, please tell a friend about us. Uh, Word of mouth is still the best way to promote indie podcasts. And, um, you know, if you think we're doing a good job, tell somebody. You could also give us a rating and a review, though, on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict. Spotify works, too, but you can only give us stars there. Um, And we can't read stars out on the air, but we can read reviews. And we've got another one. We've got another new review. Uh, this who? is a five star review from Doctor Class. I actually don't know who that is. Oh. How um and interesting. they say fantastic product. Pixel Project Radio is a fascinating podcast. It's an interesting uh, adjective there, fascinating. Uh is a fascinating podcast that goes into great and interesting detail about a variety of games. You're guaranteed to learn something new and will have some good laughs when listening. Highly recommend. Five stars. Who are you, Dr. Class?
1: Tell us your secrets, Dr. Class. What does a bean mean, Dr. Class? <laughs> what does a bean mean? Michael, what
0: does a bean mean? <laughs> These are the most gruntled employees that we have. Um, Yeah, man, that's about it. I think we've wrapped it up. Fun episode. It was. It was. Thank you all so much
1: for tuning in and listening to us. And again, let us know what you think. We're here for it. We do this not just for ourselves, but for those we love whom you are most likely a part of.
0: That's right. And as ever, he's Ben Bugale. And he's Rick Firestone. We're signing off now. We'll catch you next time. Later.